Hello there and welcome to the Tech Means Business Podcast. Now, each episode I like to talk to interesting individuals from companies and organisations whom I feel I've got something to say and to contribute to this space uh, where we can talk about, I don't know, this thing called technology that's at the heart of every business. Now, today we're talking about customer experience. I know it's something of a buzz phrase and, and how that customer experience relates to and is affected by issues like network infrastructure, uh, the influence uh, customer experience takes from, I know, choice of cloud provider or even at the end of the day even the choice of ethernet cables uh, in the company now it sounds odd uh, but here to explain all this and um, let us uh, know how we can effectively look at the effects in a business that technology can have i'm delighted to be joined by jim kavanagh from app dynamics uh, jim's in charge of the apac and japan uh, for App Dynamics. So, Jim, uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and uh, what App Dynamics does. Thanks, Joe, for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I've had the pleasure of living in Singapore for almost five years now, and my wife and I have two young girls at home. On the work side, I have the responsibility and pleasure of running Asia Pacific and Japan for App Dynamics. Really, the magic of where App Dynamics plays is providing the correlation between end-user behavior and business outcomes. So if you think about it in our personal lives, whether you're um, use it, using a mobile device to get online and uh, leverage a banking service, order food delivery, maybe order uh, a car, uh, order any type of good or service, we all think in terms of consumers of what's that experience like? Now, for the, the company providing that service and for the IT group providing that service, that's a pretty complicated set of things that happen behind that. So while we may push two, three, four clicks on a mobile app and suddenly we have food at our doorstep or we have a car waiting for us so we don't have to get in the rain or we've moved money from one side of the world to the other and we expect that to happen flawlessly, there's a whole bunch of things that happen behind that application that allow for those services to work in real time. And AppDynamics helps companies to fix those and optimize those mobile apps in real time. So as you say, yeah, behind those, uh, those services, behind the application that might be on your smartphone or behind the website, you know, there's a, there's a whole stack of stuff, isn't there? You know, there's uh, databases and the website server and, I don't know, a, a kind of credit checker um, and all these different uh, components, if you like, traditionally have lived in a company's data center. But as far as I understand it, um, that's changed, hasn't it? I mean, the topology... Um, of the network, the topology of systems is spread out over the cloud, you know, via APIs. Um, have I got that right? You, you nailed it. And the challenge is that many of the IT tools and systems were built to be able to monitor monolithic applications. They were built pre-microservices, pre-cloud services. So all the things that you just articulated are things that many of the systems that IT people are forced to use really weren't built to go off and monitor and tackle. And the second difficult thing for an IT organization is that most organizations have dozens and dozens of tools. So even if they find a tool that will work in one component of their environment, they then have to correlate across multiple tools to try to draw, draw some analysis. 
And as we know, the world's so dynamic today, you may take out your phone and you go to book that uh, dinner or lunch. And if the application is at all slow, then you'll just select another service to book that dinner or lunch. And same thing in, in the ride service business. Uh, if you're waiting in, uh, and you're trying to beat the rain, most people have two, three, four different car services that they can potentially leverage. So the pressure on the IT uh, group to be able to resolve problems in real time is immense because from our personal experience, you and I and others are thinking literally in microseconds of, well, that quote unquote application service, whatever I'm using is slow. So I'm going to go use something else. Yeah, I think that's a powerful analogy. Uh, and I think there's more to it as well. I think that when you start using an app um, or a website or a, a new service, there's a significant amount of buy-in. You know, you need to um, give people your email address. You need to create a password. And then you have to wait for the uh, email to come back and confirm your account. And then you're up and away on your um, on, your, on your new app or your new service. Now, if what you've bought into, if you like, through that process, this um, this thing that you've committed to, if it doesn't work or if it's slow, I mean, that's incredibly frustrating. And isn't that really what enterprises at the end of the day need to avoid? Yeah, you're right. And, you know, a, a couple statistics to validate what you just said. Uh, in the App Attention Index survey, 54% of consumers said they'd actually pay more for a good or a service that had a better digital experience. So in spite of, of all the work we go through to download that app and put all of our information in, again, most people have multiple applications that would allow them to do whatever they're trying to do. And consumers are acknowledging that they'll pay more for that experience. Another interesting stat, 85% of consumers said that over the next three years, the digital experience will actually drive the selection of the brands that they choose. So I guess that means that it's the back end, um, as well as the GUI, uh, the graphical user interface of apps and, and websites, that will drive decisions. Um, and it, it's those elements really that are more effective uh, in terms of customer experience and brand loyalty than, say, you know, enormous ad campaigns. Uh, because, you know, I mean, we've all done it when we switch to a, a new product or a new platform because of a big ad campaign. You know, if the experience that we get is, for want of a better word, fairly crappy, then we can certainly get turned off the whole brand. You know, I mean, it reminds me really of um, of talking to uh, my not more non-technical, if you like, um, family members who will, you know, show me an app or show me a website and say, you know, this is rubbish. This is garbage because, I don't know, I tapped here and nothing seemed to be happening. And actually, it's just one element, you know, in what's often a very, very complicated and, and complex back end that contains an entire brand. That's absolutely correct. And, and the difficult thing, for again, for that IT organization is being able to find whatever that one thing is. Is it a third-party service? Is it a service provider? Uh, is it that uh, line of code that was added in? Is it uh, a security uh, component? And there are hundreds and hundreds and many times thousands of different things that could go wrong in that stack. Meanwhile, the consumer literally in seconds wants that problem resolved. So back to you know what do we do and how do we help customers? 
by leveraging our technology, uh, which is inclusive of AI and ML, we can actually allow our customers to anticipate a problem before it happens. So they can go resolve the problem before you and I or other consumers actually have that experience. So think about the concept of ordering a car in the rain and you've got a massive load as everybody decides that they want to order a car as opposed to take another mode of transportation. Our technology in real time can, number one, identify that there's massive load and that there's going to be a potential performance issue. And then prior to that issue actually being experienced by the end user, can leverage our technology to move a workload as an example. So now we've remediated the problem prior to the consumer even experiencing that degradation. Maybe even more impactfully, we can actually quantify for our customers, again in real time, what the financial impact of that was. So uh, intellectually, it probably makes sense that if it, if uh, the mobile app for that car ride service, if it's performing poorly in the rain, they're probably going to lose some revenue. But wouldn't it be nice if they knew in real time exactly how many people uh, experienced a performance degradation and then what those users did and what the potential impact of that revenue was by those users either abandoning the site or, or uh, choosing to do something else on that site than, than book that car. Yeah, that's really got me thinking actually about the um, about the rain issue, and it's I know it's a it's a kind of silly analogy really, uh, but it's almost like you know we're quantifying uh, the cost of rain literally uh, to the business. We're actually putting it in empirical figures. I wonder if you're the person to ask really, because it it strikes me just while you were talking about that, I was thinking about a um, a weather app um, which I was running on Android and is now no longer available called Dark Sky. Uh, and it kind of taps into local weather radar. And I thought, well, you know, um, it'd be really powerful, wouldn't it, to be able to, you know, pull in that data, that minute-by-minute view uh, from um, rainfall radar, and then actually be able to predict uh, the financial impact of rain on a business. You know, we talked about the the ride-hailing business there. Because essentially, we've got everything there at our fingertips, haven't we? We know it's going to rain. Um, we know our systems aren't really capable, say, or are capable uh, of coping with any peaks in demand. Um, and we know, therefore, what the next downpour will you know, literally cost us in terms of dollars. And it's that type of intelligent big data, I think, that has some really exciting possibilities. And it's, it's, it's gathering this information together in a business sense, which is usually where things like artificial intelligence can help because you know, computers are good at uh, munching through big amounts of data, as you know. Um, so in AppDynamics' case, um, you guys call it you know, the central nervous system. Uh, tell us a bit more about that particular implementation, about how that works uh, in a business. Sure. Uh, it, some of it goes back to the pr- real-time pressure that IT organizations face as customers continue to want more services. They want them faster. They want a seamless performance. And the delivery of all of those and the back end is more complicated, as we talked about uh 
uh, IT organizations now have to deal with the challenges of cloud and microservices and, and all the other um, complex things that, that are in an organization today to deliver a service. In addition to that, customers are trying to make real-time business decisions. So in your analogy of uh, ordering a car and, and the impact of rain and or other things on, on that, if we leverage human interaction, if we wait until humans actually have the time to go in and analyze all that data, then very likely the opportunity to leverage that is already passed. So technologies like AppDynamics do provide customers with the ability to, in real time, leverage AI, ML, to go off and without that human interaction, go off and make tweaks or changes to that IT infrastructure so that the customer doesn't feel any degradation of performance. Yeah, given an infinite budget and, and 10,000 staff, of course, yeah, you can tweak your infrastructure you know, based on data because you've got 10,000 people sifting through endless Excel spreadsheets. But of course, you know, who's got 10,000 people at hand? And I think the point about AI is that it can do just that. It, it can munch through data at a much lower cost than you know, an equivalent number of human beings. And of course, doesn't need the bathroom, you know, works all around the world uh, 24-7. Yeah, so um, if you think about it in sort of the old days, people would have technology, monitoring technology that would give them green, yellow, red. And they would have some level of performance for their application or service. And if things were green, then that was good. The interesting thing is that doesn't tell them, well, things are green. But if you increase the performance, if you actually gave your consumers a better experience, would you actually bring in more revenue? So what AppDynamics can show is in real time where consumers are having a better experience than, than maybe was identified as green or optimal in the legacy system, we can show how much more revenue is coming in from those customers that are specifically achieving better performance. So as an example, if the application is now giving, uh, uh, returning the experience to the user in 10% less time, we might all think, well, then, then maybe more users will use the service. Maybe they'll uh, click a few more times and, and the, the customer doing that can monetize it. What we can do in real time is show the customer. Think about a bank. So we can show a bank in real time your users that have a experience that's 10% better than your green, than your normal, actually go through the, the online application to fill out an application for a mortgage, a motorcycle, a car, a boat. Or in the food example, food delivery example, while there's a baseline that says the performance of the app is fine, the customers that have a 12% better experience than the average normal are actually ordering 17% more items. So what the IT organization can then do is go to the business and say, instead of being a cost center, I can potentially be a revenue center. So the data shows that we can increase by 17% for this set of customers if we provide the application 10% faster. And then the CIO can go to the CFO board, et cetera, and specifically say, here's the investment that I need so that I can provide that. Because certainly there might be some investment associated with 
providing that faster service. But in the past, that was guesswork. I'm going to go build a battleship. My customers are going to come to my application and I'm going to monetize it. So now we can actually think about IT as a dial that you could turn revenue up and down based on the performance of your application with the ability to quantify that in real time. Yeah, gone are the days, I mean, if they ever existed, of course, when um, the IT function could go to the boss and say, look, there's this, there's this new box that we want, and it's got, it's got flashing lights on the front that uh, light up in amusing colours, and we want it because it might work, or you know, it might help, or at the end of the day, we just want it because it's cool. Um, but these days, you know, what you really need to do is to have to go to the boss to move up to the C-suite, if you like, and say, this purchase, this system, this service or framework that we're going to buy, it's going to have, it's going to create an uplift in sales, or it's going to cut costs here, and it's going to cut costs here. And the point is, I guess, that the more figures, the more empirical data you can take to your boss, and the more weight you hold, if you like, or the more weight your argument holds... And, and in that way, you're beginning to move um, IT away from being a, a cost drain um, and an endless succession of POs leaving the departments, and it actually turns into a more of a, a strategic function. Absolutely. I had a CIL, CIO of a large retailer say, his words were, by leveraging your technology, you've changed my relationship with my CFO. I said, well, what does that mean? And he said... I used to have discussions with the CFO that started with, I think, I think if you invest in this project, I can do that. I think if you give me this amount of money, we can deliver that. He said, now I go in and the words that I use are, I know the data based on this data that I've leveraged from app dynamics. I know that when our customers experience X, they spend Y. And that's drastically changed that relationship because he and the CFO are dealing with real data as opposed to guessing based on extrapolation. Yes, and you can, of course, you know, dive deeper into customer experiences here uh, and, and, and begin to model customer behaviors and potential customer behaviors and therefore the quality of customer experience. I mean, if, for instance, we have a peak of 10 times in demand, say, I don't know, at the end of Ramadan or the beginning of a holiday season or couples day or, or rain, you know, as, as we talked about earlier on, or the train shut down because of a uh, you know, fault on the track somewhere up, um, up the way on a particular day then we can extrapolate empirical data. I love that word, empirical, by the way. And, you know, how uh, that data, um, how it affects um, infrastructure and how it affects resources and therefore how, you know, we might get new infrastructure or changes in, in resources going forwards. And that leads, of course, into this correlation, if you like, between gathered data, business activity, and the physical infrastructure uh, and the physical uh, facilities. And how do we uh, draw those strands together? What's the best way of going about that? Sure. There's a couple things that, um, that we uh, sort of orient on. The first one is this concept of a end user journey or a user journey. So as opposed to thinking about the IT organization from the IT perspective, thinking about the silos of physical gear, software, connectivity, different data centers, third-party services. We think about the world from the end user's perspective. 
even when approaching our customers. So what our technology allows our customers to do is look at the journey uh, from the mobile application or the website if someone's coming in via a website, all the way back through that entire spaghetti web, that complicated web that the customer has. And as I mentioned, the first thing that we provide is this correlation between what type of experiences the user have and then what type of behavior, i.e. are they spending money or, or uh, selecting a service. When things aren't optimal, when something's going wrong, what our technology does in real time is identify exactly where the issue is. So if you were trying to uh, order ice cream uh, tonight for your kids uh, after dinner, and you went to the app and it wasn't working, we could tell that delivery service that it's actually a specific line of code or it is a service provider challenge or maybe it's even your home situation because you're on your Wi-Fi and someone else is watching Netflix and someone else is working from home in the other room and the kids are studying in the other room. But we can tell them in real time exactly where the issue is. And then in many instances, and I use the example of uh, workload optimization, we can offload or we can remediate that problem in real time. In the case where there are uh, uh, challenges within that IT organization that need remediation, they need to upgrade things, they need to uh, uh, put more storage uh, behind something again, obviously the customer would have to go off and, and action some things, but we'll tell them in real time exactly where the challenge is so that they can go off and, and remediate that. Yeah, I think that's a good example. Uh, and let's take it as, uh, as an analogy, uh, contention ratio problem, if you like. You know, too many people are on a limited connection. Uh, uh, you use the example of you know being at home, and so therefore it might be too many people on Netflix. I mean, the the situation is is the same, but of course the trick is finding out what the issue is and its causes amongst not just a simple home Wi-Fi network and ADSL, but you know amongst a a wildly complex enterprise IT system. The other thing is that people have you know in the past sort of guessed at what is the consumer going to demand. So an app's designed, uh, in theory, they're going to provide some type of, of SLA for that app. It gets pushed out to the world, and then people love it or they don't. And sometimes they don't love it because there are some challenges with the app. Sometimes it's the situation you just articulated where there's a bunch of contention at home. But sometimes the company just might have missed what the consumer is really going to go demand. The challenge is that the consumers really wants that right away and resolved in real time if there's, a, if there's an issue. So the application might be performing as designed, but the company may be missing a big business opportunity because people are looking at that application and saying, well, it works, but it doesn't work at the speed that I want it to. The other interesting thing um, when we when we talk about applications and performance is three quarters of people say that if they have an application and they don't like the performance and they delete that app, they're not going to take the time to go tell anyone. So we think of applications in terms of, well, an application has a 
poor rating or a poor score in an app store or online. But the reality is very few people will actually go and complain prior to deleting the application. So the, the challenge, obviously, for the app owner is they create an application, they push it out, they start to get some data, but they may have a, a lot of people leaving or deleting their application, or maybe they don't even take the time to delete it. They just stop using and using something else. Now, in many cases, at the lower end of the market, you know, losing 1% or even 5% of business for whatever reason, really, it's probably okay. And part of that's going to be that the cost of amelioration, the cost of fixing um, the cause of that 1% or 5% loss is going to be higher than lost sales. Okay, so that's, I think that's probably um, fair enough, I would say. But, you know, at scale, a 1% loss, you know, due to poor customer experience, which is what we're talking about here, I mean, that can spell millions in lost revenue. Absolutely. Now, I want to touch on uh, another issue, um, and that's that of large systems, you know, bought and developed over time that are kind of well rooted into a, an enterprise. And we're talking really about um, packages like uh, NetSuite, SAP, uh, Salesforce, uh, and the like, you know, ERPs, Enterprise Resource Planning Software. Now, if it turns out that after our investigations that it's those proprietary, more closed systems that are the problem, um, I'm assuming there's not much I can do about it, um, or is there? The first challenge associated with applications, whether it's SAP or, or another large application, is very often the service, the app that uh, is tied into that is leveraging more than just the core SAP application. So the first piece of, of uh, or the first opportunity for us to help is identifying back to if it's an application that's leveraging SAP is we can actually show the customer what else is it leveraging. And believe it or not, IT organizations have become so complex. One of the things that we provide is this end, end user journey map. That's, that's documenting from the end user all the way back through the complex systems. But very often when we show that to an IT organization, the response will be, well, I didn't realize that that application actually calls our credit check application. I didn't realize that that application actually has a call to our external third-party provider. I didn't realize, and most of them say, I didn't realize how complicated our application was. So that, that's the first part is just mapping the topography to, to allow a customer to figure out what components is it is it touching. And then the second piece is what, while there are tools Back to my, my uh, comment before, while there are tools that allow you to go optimize inside of SAP as an example or optimize inside of Oracle or optimize inside of other areas, because applications are typically going across a bunch of, of different components in IT, you really want to think about a tool that allows you to traverse multiple hops. In the, in the past, what was happening is you would have People would have their siloed tool. So there might be a database person that looked at their tool. There would be a server person or a storage person that would look at an infrastructure tool. You'd have a networking person that would look at a networking tool. And they would all have a view of the world. But back to you, you and I and the consumer, what we really think in, in terms of is 
well, how fast did that application work for me? Was I able to order that car in the rain in a matter of seconds? We're not thinking about whether the network's up or whether there's contention on the server or whether the line of code inside the database, whether that's a packaged application or a custom written application, whether the line of code is perfect or not. So it really goes back to having one tool that allows the IT organization to figure out in real time, where is the issue? So that, that's the first piece. The second piece is baselining. So if you, if you think about the concept, most businesses would have an appreciation that there are some periods of time where they have a stronger load on their environment than other periods. A dramatic example would be we have a customer in Asia Pacific. It's, it's a large government organization and they collect tax payments and obviously give out tax refunds. So as you can imagine, they have some acute pressure when it comes to the tax filing deadline of people using their application. So their normal on the Tuesday prior to the deadline is different than their normal on a regular Tuesday. What we can help them understand is the baseline of on tax day over the past three tax days, the performance of the application has been X at this time of day with this number of people filing and this number of people hitting the application. That allows them to do some really dynamic things around anticipating before issues come up. But the third thing that I talked about is the ability to dynamically in real time kick off actions. So I gave the example of the ability to uh, optimize workloads by, by moving a, a workload from, from point A to a point B so that you can remediate a challenge in real time without an end user being impacted. Now, just to go back to that first stage uh, when you're trying to uh, pinpoint a problem. Now, um, there are going to be lots of different people involved in the IT function, and each of whom are carrying their own rattle bags of, you know, bash scripts and tools and bits of software and methods that are, are designed specifically for their role, you know, the databases or websites or APIs or DevOps and so on and so forth. And of course, this brings us then to the concept of war rooming, you know, where everyone has to sit down in the war room and try and uh, get to the heart of uh, an issue or a problem. And let's be honest about this. I think there's a good deal of, of finger pointing, you know, that goes on and of course really the, that's the last thing that a grown-up enterprise needs is this kind of blame game you know this endless war rooming yeah you're absolutely right we had a, a customer that explained it and he said that app dynamics was their flashlight uh, and and he gave the analogy of he said the war room was in his words people from different departments that were all in a dark room uh, and they were all positioning why, and he talked about MTTI as uh, mean time to innocence as opposed to identification. So uh, his uh, task in that room was to prove that it wasn't his organization's fault. And so if you think about that war room and you think about this concept of a flashlight, what our customers can do very quickly is go identify the exact nature of the problem and then go figure out what the resolution is in real time. What we see for customers is from an identification or MTTI and from a resolution or MTTR, 
drastic reductions, very often more than 75%. And another example, we have a, a bank uh, in Asia Pacific that, in their words, they'd spent more than three months. They had a weekly war room where they had not just IT, the different components of the business, marketing, security, and they would spend several hours every week trying to diagnose what they deemed a very critical business challenge. They installed our software and within 20 minutes, they were able to find the line of code. And that day, they were able to re-release the code and the, pr the problem was then solved. So the um, ramification of being able to go identify the root cause very quickly as well as the remediation uh, for many of these companies is massive when it comes to increasing top line, but also increasing the cost or sorry, decreasing the cost associated with remedying IT problems. Now, if people want to go and have a look and maybe get proof of concept for themselves and uh, see what the possibilities are, uh, what are the next steps that they need to take? People can go to the AppDynamics website, appdynamics.com, and they can download a free trial. We allow customers to use our technology for a couple of weeks as a proof point. In addition to that, we will work with the customer to help them identify the business value associated with remediating whatever the application is that they select. Now, as ever on this podcast, we're running out of time, probably well before um, we've talked ourselves out. Um, so it only really remains for me to say at this point, a big thank you uh, to Jim Kavanagh uh, from App Dynamics. It's been a really good talk, and I think it's going to appeal, actually, uh, to both the business and um, IT professionals, which is, of course, what the tech means business. It's all in the name. Uh, it's what it's all about. So, Jim, thank you. It was a pleasure. Joe, the pleasure was mine. And I hope you can join me, uh, you the listener, next time we take a dive into the technology that underpins just about every business, uh, from the one-man band right up to the global multinational. Until then, uh, take care and see you next time. Bye.